Yeah, yeah, everybody's talking about the good old days. Wow. I know the smell when the coke cook I would inhale that then put these raps in my notebook Seen it as a child, my relatives like, don't look Maybe that's why now shit I dropped got him so hooked Wasn't living comfortably, now he living luxury Ain't have a pot to piss in, now I'm pissing on the money tree Thankfully the OG schooled us Shit I found in my crib made it to the school bus That's the start of it Drug abuse, drug sales, that's a part of it Nothing new but I'm compelled to make the argument Conditions I outgrew since then became a conduit Had an ice cube tape When I used to clean my shoes with the toothpaste My uncle walking around with the glue face Aunties in the yard serving rice and ceviche Kids running at the barbecue spilling Kool-Aid all right, we're back, and this week we are Trade Cargill. Uh, we've got the special guest, and uh, possibly we'll get the run-in later. Um, but I'm joined tonight by the JML, the honorary oofs of this podcast, basically. The uh, the third Mike, the third member, uh, most frequent guest. So, honestly, Jay, you are so frequently a guest and so frequently a co-host that it's not even fair to call you a guest anymore. You are just the floating third Mike slash co-host of the podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Um, you can call me like your like week, uh, not week. Um, bi-monthly like routine correspondent I guess yeah, for exactly. the show right, um, right. I've been listening to uh, Matt Bellany's podcast um, The Town on The Ringer and every Monday they have the guy from Bloomberg, Lucas Shaw who he's kind of like a closeted uh, wrestling fan so um, okay. but, he, but he has him every, every week because when they talked about uh, Vince and the whole selling for WWE, he kind of, he, it wasn't like, like, um, you know how the main, mainstream, uh, media people would think like, oh, Vince built this from the ground up. He was like, no, he was gifted through this, right, through Vince right. Sr. and Jess, and Jess McMahon. So yeah, like he, he knew the whole story. Good. It's nice to hear that. I love, that's why like, I like Brandon Thurston and, you know, I've always liked post wrestling more than pretty much any of the other kind of wrestling media groups. I I respect the torch for the history and and I like Wade as a guy or whatever, but it's you know it's obviously got its issues. Um, but post has always been super solid because those guys like have on really good guests and Brandon Thurston again as now he's joined post and all that stuff. That like yeah that he basically is the only person I've ever heard call it out in the same exact way that i say which is that vince didn't build the wrestling industry if anything he shrunk the wrestling industry you know yep. and, and i think a lot of other podcasters a lot of other media historians they may people might not you know take the bait and listen to the wwe histrionics of it but they don't you know take the next step which is to if you really look at the metrics the truth is like if anything vince fucking killed the business like wrestling was a thriving you know industry that housed and fed thousands of people and now it's you know hundreds and i mean it's really hard to even argue with that you know probably probably those numbers are off or whatever but you get my point Mm -hmm. yeah and they had a um speaking of post they had a guy abraham wiseman um oh yeah i I heard that yeah oh you heard that episode yeah they were talking about uh the vince the vince book and i'm i'm interested i might might pick it up because 
of the whole um him you know how he portrays his his uh childhood as this troublemaker and all that stuff where Wiseman yeah basically uncovered and said like no that wasn't the case and that Vince was into wrestling like yeah. he, usually, he doesn't Vince usually portrays like like uh like he wasn't really into wrestling it was just like kind of a last last resort thing whereas Vince in reality was really into wrestling as is early in his teenage years so um, yeah, well, that's that's the thing that I've always said, and I, I, knew, I couldn't remember where I had even heard this. I think it had come from, um, like Schultz, uh, like uh, Doctor D. David Dr. Schultz. D. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, and and from Pat Patterson and people along those lines, but nothing officially on the record or whatever. But the thing that I had always heard was, you know, that Vince's personal taste in wrestling was a lot closer to you know i'd say mine and i would say yours but let's say like uh corwu like that vince likes grapplers and shoot wrestlers and was really into you know the sweet science of professional wrestling but always pushed and promoted what he thought played to the big crowds and to the you know the masses more than his personal taste kind of like you know Dave Meltzer talking about his objective star ratings and how he loves a Zack Sabre Jr. match, but won't give it five stars because, you know, the crowd or whatever. Like, that's what I had always heard. And that really does play into this idea that Vince was a wrestling fan from when he was very young, which would have been the era of that kind of wrestling even being even more predominant, you know? So, yeah, I, when he said that, I was like, okay, yes, I've, I had always heard Vince actually likes pro wrestling, grappling, technical wrestling more than then he lets on based on his booking or in his promotion. But then to hear like, Oh, he was a wrestling fan, even as a child. And I'm trying to remember who it was, but there was a uh, particular wrestler that was his you know, favorite wrestler, even before like early on in WWE, that was an old school wrestler um, that, you know, they would say that was his, you know, his favorite wrestler growing up or whatever, you know, you know, as soon as he got exposed to wrestling was the way the story worked. But then when you find out that it was, his favorite wrestler growing up, it makes even more sense. So yeah, like, yeah, that was very interesting. And that book did sound pretty, pretty interesting to hear that. So I would love to, to get in that. Cause yeah, it's like this guy who just has spent decades now at this point, just selling the media on whatever history they want. Um, I made a joke about it, but I don't know if you saw or you're keeping up on NXT or whatever, but uh the toxic attraction breakup that that played out on uh, Takeover Vengeance Day or whatever it was, and then the the follow up angle on the NXT show, how I said it was like uh, the 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 barbershop window of a new generation or whatever, and uh, mm-hmm. and I made I made a joke to Quentin's old podcast co host uh, Skill Crane Josh about how oh if JC Jane becomes the second most overpushed wrestler of history then people will remember it the same as the barbershop window, but. Uh, that goes into like the historiography of WWE. Shawn Michaels it has been presented for decades as the best wrestler of all time, right? And people yeah, buy it. Yeah. People believe that he's actually a good wrestler or that he was a great wrestler. I won't argue that tag team Shawn Michaels honestly should be in the same conversation as Dustin Rhodes as, you know, actually Dustin's probably better, but in that same conversation as a great tag team wrestler. And that's the career that Shawn Michaels should have had. A, a journeyman tag team wrestler who was very good. 
But at some point, Vince decided to start presenting him as the greatest wrestler of all time, and people just accepted it. So my point is, back to what I'm talking about, um, how do people not understand that if Vince is able to get people to believe that for decades, that he wasn't able to get people to believe his own backstory for decades when it was untrue? So I am excited to see this book and, and have it be broken down to see where what the truth is about Vince's background as opposed to the way that he's presented himself for this long. But, yeah, uh, I've I've rambled enough, Jay. Feel free. No, no, no. You basically summed it up in uh, you. You're asking Vince's uh, favorite wrestlers, Doctor Jerry Graham. Um, that's it. That's, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but you basically summed it up. I mean, for me with Shawn Michaels, I guess I got. I was a, I was a kid during the the '90s era of Shawn when he was on top. So. He was one of my favorites. Um, I, I mean, looking back on matches now, he's. I think he's done too many. He's had too many great matches for me for me to consider him bad. But um, I, I t- totally see where you're getting at in terms of um, having the career that Dustin should have should have had. And um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting where they go with this toxic attraction story i don't i mean it's when i and i saw it uh, i saw it only saw the clips i didn't watch nxt but when i saw it i was just like oh sean's trying to recreate this and trying to make um you know gg's you know this the star but um i i've only seen a couple of matches of them they don't remind me of the rockers so so i don't know how long how far that's gonna go um they'd probably be the worst Worst wrestlers if we're if they were on the Stardom show that we're going to review, but um, but but yes. yeah, yeah. Well, so. it's interesting because you you mentioned that, but like Gigi was someone who I I actually thought was was getting better on the indies. I know you know her connection through Evolve and through Austin Theory. I think a lot of people that was their only you know exposure to her. But I'm kind of like, well, I know I know Gigi Dolan from you know being the. <laughs> And I shouldn't even say this because I can't, you know, prove this or whatever. But there was a lot of there was a lot of, uh, I guess, smoke to the fire that Gigi was a big part of uh, the the Evolve email leak, you know, because the original rumor was that it was her email and it was her boyfriend at the time who was, you know, a guy who I don't know what you'd call him, a Southern fried Davy Richards kind of wrestler, (laughs) basically, if you don't know who I'm talking about. Um and that's kind of where she came through was, you know, the 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 carnies and, you know, the CWF and all that. And she had some good matches, especially in like CWF and, and in the in that range where she was actually becoming a pretty solid wrestler. I particularly remember um, a match between her and uh, Aspen. Oh, God, I can't even remember her name. The the uh, the mermaid girl who was like Aspen something. Um, but they had like I a really you were solid match. See the Thunder Rosa match. No, no, I'm even. Oh. I'm, I'm talking about uh, yeah, even before that, the 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 Thunder Rosa match was pretty solid. And then I saw her wrestle a good friend of mine, Tuna Tuna, uh, Southern California match where uh, it it kind of went viral because of like a tampon spot that people uh, remember. Okay. Yeah, you yep. know. But uh, that was a good friend of mine, which is always nice to remember that because you know it was a good match until that spot happened, and then I won't say that that match didn't or that spot didn't kill the match, but then it didn't, it made it so that match didn't matter. You know what I mean? Everyone just cared about the spot. Um, 
And then that spot turned into doing that spot with Joey Ryan, which also went viral and whatever, you know, so, so uh, a guy that you're not supposed to talk about, I guess. I don't know. Either way, my point being Gigi Dolan, I thought potential decent wrestler, whatever. Obviously she went to NXT. She got put in, in this group, toxic attraction. The focus became looks. She clearly started to focus primarily more on that side of things and less on the wrestling. JC Jane has become a solid wrestler. Um, and, you know, behind the scenes, I sent you a episode title na- option names. And one of them was based around that because I liked the three-way match. I actually watched this entire NXT show. I don't know if you saw any of it. I did not. No. Okay. So there was the NXT Vengeance Day show, which I wish, I don't know why they would even call it that. Vengeance Day is just such a awkward name. And you've got the the stable in WWE proper that's called uh, Judgment Day. The show used to be called Vengeance. Like, it's a, I don't get it. Either way. I think there's just a playoff Valentine's Day, maybe. I guess <laughs> that's supposed to be it, but it's not even really that close to Valentine's Day. But whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Either way, decent show. Wesley versus Dijak opened it up, and I was so confused trying to understand... I would listen to Meltzer's review of this match before I watched the match. And I was trying to figure out what the fuck he was talking about because he was comparing it to like the first time that he went to a PWG show, which I was like, well, I would have been at that show. So, but it was like, I thought that he was saying that he saw this same match in PWG. So then for a moment, I was like, does he think that Wesley is, was Leo rush? Is he confusing Leo rush with, Xavier or Desmond Xavier, right? That was what I thought for a second. And then I was like, huh. I don't know. I don't know if that's what he means. And then I was like trying to figure out like what but the fuck he's talking about. But wouldn't have Dave gone to PWG earlier than that? Yeah. Like I well, he did, but he didn't really go as early as people probably think. But it would have been around the time that Leo Rush showed up. So I was like, maybe that's then I looked it up and I was huh. like, well, Dijack. Dijak didn't really wrestle very many matches in PWG. So he wasn't even really mixing that up. And then I realized he wasn't comparing the match. He wasn't saying like, I saw this match in, in PWG. He was comparing like opening the show with a really hot match with a bunch of near falls. That's all he meant. Okay. Which then I was like, okay, fine. Um, the one thing he could have done is gone back and watched some Desmond Xavier in PWG matches and actually seen how good he was, because that's the thing that's been fucking driving me crazy about this, about not just this match, but also like the whole situation with Wes Lee and being a singles is that yes, Scarlet and Graves, the rascals, whatever was a big deal tag team that people talked about a ton, right? And and were super hyped, but Desmond mm-hmm. Xavier had a like full singles career as well. Desmond Xavier was not just a tag team wrestler on the indies before he showed up, you know, in NXT, all that stuff. So the idea that people are like, oh, this poor guy has to deal with like his tag team partner is gone and all this stuff, it's like you are just completely telling on yourself that you don't fucking know what you're talking about. Desmond Xavier was making a name for himself as a singles wrestler way before anyone knew who the fuck the rascals were. 
like I said, like they were Scarlet and Graves. And then he had his singles work on his own and he was becoming a great singles wrestler. And there was a ton of really good Desmond Xavier singles matches. And then the Rascals went to Dragon Gate and they had the run in Dragon Gate. And then they kind of were solidified as a tag team. And then that became the whole thing. But it's like, I'm not shocked to see Wes Lee thriving as a singles wrestler because he's already shown that he can do this. So <laughs> that, that whole thing has just been really upsetting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I echo your thoughts. Like, I, I don't watch much. I didn't watch much um, independent wrestling, but when they came into Dragon Gate, that's when I, I really caught on because they came in the same time Bandito was coming in um, with Flamita to tag with, with yeah. him. So that's where I, that's my point of reference with, with uh, Xavier and, and uh, I guess Wentz. Um, right. Who and like I think MJ I saw something MJF was defending him earlier this week. He um, was, he was, which will will play into something else I want to talk about here in a minute. But we can uh, okay, <laughs> we can continue on for a second. Uh, two out of three falls. Carmelo Hayes, Apollo Cruz, solid match. Goes nearly a half hour. Has a really really stupid like interference spot thing. It's just not work, but. The match itself was actually really good. Car- Carmelo Hayes is a guy that I'm like super into. And I have to give a major shout out on something that I've been meaning to say, you know, officially out in the public for a while, but uh, but uh, hasn't really come up recently, which is that when Carmelo Hayes was on the Indies and he was like the limitless champion, Christian Casanova, there was... um. There was a backer of his and someone who was pretty high on him that I always kind of questioned, like, what the fuck are they kind of talking about? And it was Dylan Hales, um, Mm, listener of the podcast, former guest of the podcast. And I always was kind of like, I don't know really what he sees in him. And what I realized is that, like, Dylan still kind of sees wrestling in a way that I don't, which is to see wrestling as, like, the WWE exists as a wrestling company. Um, Because he was 100% correct that this guy is like perfect for WWE and he has become like a major star in this company and just it's just out of control how perfect he is for them. And now that obviously WWE is back and super hot and everyone loves them like he is like I've been actually paying some attention to the company and he's really good like he's really good in this setting. He was great here with Apollo Crews like this match was was good. The finish like I said was bullshit but yeah, Carmelo Hayes, perfect WWE wrestler, should be brought up to the main roster and pushed super hard coming out of this because, yeah, he's just looking great. Um, obviously, you didn't see the match. You don't know about any of this, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that but I, I, I follow yeah. a lot. The thing is, I follow a lot of people um, that on, on Twitter that um, that still watch WWE and they, they're really champion for Carmelo Hayes and say they want him to be on the main roster. And then I see people on the other side saying, well, he's 5'9". Like, how far is he going to get pushed? Which, right. I I don't think that's going to be a problem with, with Triple H as the helm, except I the only thing, my issue is, is that um, are they going to make him the one um, black wrestler that was able to get pushed? Because it seems like right. it's like one at a time. Like, right now, it's Bobby Lashley. Um, for the women's Bianca, like 
is it just going to be one one person at a time, or are you going to have them integrate in, in feuds and maybe go against Lashley or, or go against whoever? You know, that that's my thing. I don't think the height, and I think he's got the look, he's got the charisma, but um, I haven't watched a lot of him, but I, I, I do agree that he is someone that, that works that style um, greatly. So I just wonder if he's going to have the shot to go to the main roster. Cause I think a lot of people are wondering um, if he's going to main roster, it's not like they're, they're clamoring for him to be NXT champion. It's more of get him on the main roster now. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't care if he wins the NXT championship, which does feel like that might be the next move mm-hmm. based on the, the post-match on the main event. But to me, I'm just like, yeah, just skip it. Who cares? Get him into the main roster and use him there. But but the tough part is, like you said, the WWE is so, so fucking, like, segregated, it, you know, and, and it's so just, like, one in, one out that it's like, okay, does Carmelo Hayes come up and then, like, Ricochet just disappears? Is that basically it? Like, like is that the, the role that he has? Like, it's, it's fucked up to even, like, talk about, but it's like, goddamn, like, that's really what it does feel like, that they push one black wrestler at a time and they have, like, a spot, a couple other spots for black wrestlers and it's just... It's just nothing is what mm-hmm. it really is, you know. Um talked about the three way for the women's title. I would I'd recommend it. I have my issues with you know some things in general. I tweeted it out, whatever. Main event, you know, cage match, Braun Breaker, Grayson Waller. Fine. People are losing their minds for this in a way that I just don't understand. But again, that probably just plays into it that I don't watch this stuff regularly. Braun Breaker, Braun Breaker definitely has something. I think it's like really weird and disingenuous. The people who kind of like critique him in a way, because I'm just like Braun breaker right now is basically good enough to be what John Cena was at the height of, you know, like at the beginning of his push as a main eventer, mm-hmm. like he's, he doesn't have quite the same level of, of charisma, but that's not really what people tend to, to like attack him for. People try to talk about Braun Breaker like for his wrestling ability in ring, but like when it comes to that in ring, like he is as good as early John Cena, which is good enough to be a top guy on main roster WWE. Is basically where he's at when it comes to wrestling, and, and he's it, only been going. Go ahead. I was about to say, isn't Braun Breaker? He's only had like one year of wrestling, like right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that's like kind of my point is like to to critique him on his wrestling is not is really like disingenuous because he's good enough to be a top guy for this company. What he needs is the charisma. I'm not and that's why I say I'm not saying he's as charismatic as John Cena because that's you know, that's like next level. John Cena, one of the all-time charisma machines, which is which is interesting to think about when it comes to John Cena, because if you watch him on reality shows and you watch him in general and you've watched his career, he comes across like an AI, you know, like he comes across like a, a robot. The prototype was the best gimmick, the, the most realistic, you know, down to earth gimmick that this guy has ever had, because he's it comes across like he like learned how to be charismatic and and perform charisma the same way that a computer would or something, you know what I mean? But he's just so good at it um, that like, even though he's not a human, he understands why we cry or whatever. And it's yeah. just like, that's the, <laughs> that's like, 
the thing that Braun Breaker does not have. Yeah. Well, the thing with John Cena is is that I I always compare this with Sasha Banks and other wrestlers that have like it's a thing where where Cena is he had a little bit of independent seasoning like with the APW, but got yeah. signed really early, so he was into the WWE system, and I think that's a perfect sweet spot because for for someone to be a star kind of like what Sasha Banks is or was is that you need a little bit of seasoning in the independence independent scene to actually know what reactions work and don't work um compared but, to, and to oh sorry and to, and to know what wrestling is like yeah. you know what i mean as opposed to just knowing what sports entertainment is but to know what wrestling actually is mm-hmm. because you could take that and you can apply that and you know, it's it's whatever what the the WWE and the PC they have to play the game and uh, appease their coaches and appease producers. But at the heart of it, they know what's what's real and what's not in terms of real reactions and how to really get over and what people actually want. And they can read read the room. Whereas I think people that get signed to WWE straight out of college, um, athletics or or whatever. They, do, they really just get propagandized and, and think, you know, big, perfect example, Randy Orton. Like, he <laughs> he thinks, yeah. like, everybody, like, like, everybody thinks, everybody internally says, like, he's one of the great great wrestlers, the great storytellers in, in the ring, but, you know, to us, it's not it's not the case at all. Um, and same thing with Bray Wyatt, and I, the list goes on and on and on. So, right. so with um, with Breaker, that's a little bit when you make a comparison with Breaker. It's interesting because he is he's coming from former NFL player straight into the WWE system, but he has but, lineage and yeah. sees his his father and his uncle <laughs> um, were were over doing what they knew what was wrestling was. So, and just being complete psychos, like you can't, it's nature nurture, right? Like, it's like, are you a psycho by birth because your dad was a psycho or are you a psycho because you were raised around psychos? Well, it doesn't matter because he had both. (laughs) Right, right. So, well, I want, I want to see it. Like you've, you've kind of convinced me I'll I'll catch up on this card. Um, just, just to see how it's, you know, I would say pick and choose. I don't love it. You know, I'm not a, I'm not trying to evangelize for WWE. I, I will never do that. That's not, you know, my style to tell people to watch WWE. But like I said, this was like decent to watch for the most part. Like, I don't, I, I it brings me no joy to say watch a WWE show in general, right? Yeah. One thing that did cross my mind recently, and I'm, I, meant to say it on the podcast here is like a lot of people um you know are on on twitter and they're talking all this shit saying that like the only thing that gets over in aew is blood right oh you just have to people have to just bleed blood's the only thing that's over and it's like well on wwe the only thing that's over is the blood line so what's the difference really (laughs) Uh, (laughs) blood is over on both shows um either way 
Moving forward, another show I assume you did not see was uh, Beyond Wrestling Might Snow. I did not, no. Okay. This I will not go as in-depth on. There was some decent stuff to watch. I This was the closest to, like, peak Beyond Wrestling is good kind of show that I've seen in a long time. Which is to say... There is a ton of stuff that you can skip on the undercard, right? That's like, at the best, Beyond Wrestling was a show for freaks and psychopaths who want to watch Love Doug versus Little Mean Kathleen, you know? And that is not most people. Most people don't want to see that kind of thing. You got right uh, Above the Rest versus Yokai. That's a match for psychopaths and freaks like myself, <laughs> right? Skip it if you're a normal person. But there are good matches. You got Trisadora versus Manders. God damn if that's not a great match. Bobby Orlando versus Becca. Good storyline match. Tremont versus Sydney Bacabella. I am really loving the resurgence of Sydney Bacabella recently. Um, as a you know a manager slash wrestler character from the Jakara days, really, really enjoying this. Tremont as the IWTV champion, kind of perfect coming off the past like couple of years run of IWGP or ugh, IWTV champions who are like really, really good. You know, I and that's not to say that I don't love Tremont because I I would probably say that my 2022 feud of the year involved Matt Tremont. Um, you know, like, I think that Tremont is great at what he does, but he's not the stereotypical IWTV champion, right? So, solid stuff. Yuta versus Marcus Mathers. This is the first, like, watch it. Um, Miracle Ones versus ADV, Akira, and Masa Slamovich. Or Miracle Generation. I don't know why it says Miracle One either way. Really good match. Channing Thomas versus Tracy Williams. Quick, but good. Channing Thomas is a guy who I see, I can really see it there. And he's just not quite got it. But working with Sidney Bacabella and what he does have, I think that there's going to be something there. Tracy Williams, obviously, phenomenal wrestler. I don't need to explain it to anybody. Everyone who knows, they know how good he is. And then the main event of this show is Alec Price versus Leo Rush. This was kind of a revelation, if I'm perfectly honest. This is a hard recommend. Alec Price, Leo Rush, watch this match. Leo Rush was kind of working as a grumpy vet, but subtly. And I had not known how much I wanted to see this at this point. And I was talking to my wife, Alicia, um, because she's... She kind of got into all this stuff and wrestling and all these things, like paying attention around when Leo Rush debuted. And she all so she remembers Leo Rush as a baby and she sees him here. And I'm like, we've been watching Leo Rush for almost 10 years at this point, eight years of his uh, that his career has existed. And we got in on the ground floor when she first saw him. And to see him now, eight years later, wrestling as the grumpy vet against the young you know, Alec Price is the hot new thing um, was amazing because I just I would have never predicted seeing Leo Rush transition in this way. But yeah, like the cutoffs, the aggression, the, you know, obviously the high spots, the quick action between the two. And these are two guys who are really known for those 
snappy, fast transitions, right? But the stuff in between really made this match. This is, like I said, a strong watch. Um, it's not going to make the the Corwu ten under ten, but it will make the you know the you know twenty under twenty because it's under twenty minutes, and it's great. It's uh, yeah, this was definitely a watch. Okay, I'm I'm definitely going to check it out because. I'm a Leo Rush fan. I haven't watched him since Russell Kingdom, so I'm glad he's okay. <laughs> I was really worried yeah. after after he yeah, took yeah. what he took that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm all for angry vets um, just beating up beating up dudes, and uh, for Leo to do that. I mean, I want to. It'll be interesting to see because of Leo's size, um, how he how he works as a grumpy old old veteran right yeah that's the, that's the thing like the transition to grumpy leo rush is definitely uh something to uh to 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 look out for um jay is there any other is there any shows that you've seen wrestling that you've watched recently that you want to give a shout out to i don't want to uh, dominate the space here no no like i've it's for me for 2023 um the um I know you guys talked about it um, a couple weeks ago, but the passing of Jay Briscoe kind of took me out of it a little bit, just watching wrestling. Um, I'm just starting to come 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 back to watching watching stuff regularly. Um, uh, I I think I saw like the first wrestling I saw after Jay's passing was uh, that Rampage. Um, the week that Mark Briscoe was able to wrestle on on Dynamite, um, I was able to see uh, most of Rampage and it was Emmy Sakura versus uh, Jamie Hayter, which was really good. Um, I was good, glad that Emmy Emmy Sakura got to be able on t- be able on TV um, yeah. for once. So um, Jamie Jamie's, you know, um, Blaine the Foundation is. Having a, having a great title reign, um, a really, really, really good match. I won't say it, it was. It's going to be something you'll remember. Um, well, maybe you will. Um, if people watch, if people did not watch it, um, it was a really solid, good match that I I, I recommend. It's not going to be your match of your top ten match of the year list, but um, just a solid watch um, over, overall. About, um, Amy Sankara versus Jamie Hader, right? Yes. From Rampage that, yeah. last week. And I think that was like last week. And that's definitely... No, I mean, I'm, I'm with you that... I mean, maybe it won't end up in your match of the year list. But maybe it should. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's worth a watch. It's worth a check out. It'll, it should end up on Joseph's, you know, match of the year tracker list on, on Twitter. It's probably already on there. Um, Yeah, that's a great, great match. And... You know what's weird to me is I, God damn it! You know Jay, you really you really bring out the worst of me. Uh, like like it's you. Like it's not <laughs> that I do this constantly. Hearing people review this and talk about like, oh, Amy Sankara is not doing the the Freddie Mercury gimmick, and that's why I like this match. Like, I'm sorry. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Amy Sankara's Eddie Mercury gimmick, as I do the biggest scare quotes on the planet Earth, is like. An outfit, a fake mustache, and a microphone during her entrance. And that's and the that's extent it. that she does a Freddie Mercury gimmick, right? Yep, yep, that's it. 
<laughs> yeah. And then once she's in ring, she's always whooped ass. So if your problem is that like you can't get past the entrance, then you're a child. You basically have the brain of a child and you don't understand like this is a great wrestler who's done nothing but deliver in ring the entire fucking time. And this was just another example of that, of just Amy having a great match against a great wrestler. And they absolutely beat the piss out of each other. And it was fantastic. And yeah, I think, I think hater, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to pat my back here, but I said exactly what I thought about hater winning this title, which is that you get the best of both worlds because you have the champion who can deliver in ring and you still have Brit as part of the main event act. And I just think all of the people who are just so excited and and begging for them to break up don't really see the money and don't really see how you properly book this thing. Because at this point, the crowd wants Brit and Hater to be faces, right? right? So they don't need to go heel. You just need Brit to be the mouthpiece and Jamie to be the wrestler. And you don't even really need Brit to be the mouthpiece because Jamie can talk, which she did on the promo for this match specifically, she cut an amazing promo leading up to this match, but you still got Brit who can handle the in-ring stuff. Can Jamie can cut her own promos in pre-tapes and Jamie can have amazing matches. And you've got the perfect situation when it comes to the top of the card for the women here in AEW. So it's just like, why do you guys want to break this up? Why would you ever think about breaking up this act? This is perfect. This is exactly what we want. We don't need to break this up because we've got everything you could ever imagine for your top act. You've got talking, you've got wrestling, you've got all of it right here. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm into it and I agree with you on all that, on our, on what you said there. Um, I guess you probably didn't see Henry versus Casey. I could, I, I want to save it, I guess I could talk to Quentin about this, but phenomenal match. Highly recommend it. Get into it later. Um, I watched this uh, Revolver show, Night at the Moxbury. Yeah, I actually wanted to check it out. How was it? I would recommend it. Honestly, for the most part, jump around, skip. Didn't watch Evil Uno versus Jake Chris. Don't care. Marina Shafir versus Blair Onyx. Under three minutes. Solid for what it was, right? Marina Shafir. I don't know what the deal is in AEW, but they do not know how to book her. But like... Seeing her live, the times that I have, it she feels the same as Shayna, early Shayna Baszler when I first saw her live in Southern California. Me, Marina feels just as good. Um, the charisma, the aura, the in ring, all of that. I don't know what the problem is, you know. Live, Blair Onyx did not. I don't know what they fucking told her, but she did not seem ready for this situation. It was it was tough. Um, six way scramble match. I mean, it was what it was. I'm not going to complain. You know, Mike Bailey doing his thing. Yuta versus JT Dunn. Um, I enjoyed it. Thought it was pretty good for what it was. But, you know, it is what it is. Macklin versus Crash Jackson. Don't love Crash Jackson. Macklin, actually, you know, he's the secret. Like, you don't know. He's a good wrestler. Wrestler guy. He's really good at what he's doing. Skipped the... Bullet Club versus Dad Scouts match. No, thank you. Uh, Billy Starks versus Alley Catch. Fine. You know. Billy. Billy's good, but she's not this good. Um, Shelly versus Swan. 
heel Alex Shelley promo pre-match. Amazing. Love Shelley. The match itself. Great. Alex Shelley. This is kind of the, you know, unappreciated secret about Alex Shelley is that he's a natural born heel who unfortunately has to wrestle a career as a baby face. He's, you know, that's like kind of where he's, he's been his entire career. Um, Except for like early ring of honor. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He's had some heel runs here and there. That's why I say like even early TNA, he was a heel. Technically people have always kind of like known that he's meant to be a heel, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just never worked out for unfortunate. And then when you watch him like in action and like the way that the the children are screaming his name, just young girls going crazy for Alex Shelley, um, in a, in action wrestling, you're just like you can't help it when people look at him and his vibe and what he gives off. He's just has to be babyface, but his personality. And his wrestling and everything else, he's just the most effortless heel that you've ever seen. Um, and the promo that he cuts pre-match here where he's telling the fucking Ohio fucking freaks to shut the fuck up and just being a complete and utter fucking just disgusting fucking um, just brutal evil man to these to these fans. And I just love it. And then the way that he works over Rich Swan, which Rich Swan, obviously natural babyface, all time babyface, truthfully, um, a guy that you just can't, you always root for, no matter what. You want Rich Swan to win, um, you know, even when he's fighting his wife. I guess I shouldn't even say that. Uh, you want him to win, um, you know. He's just got that natural nature to him, and Alex Shelley just demolishes him here. This is this is the match to check out. The rest of the show you can skip. Check this out. There's an in-between promo where Moxley beats up some like local guy, but it's not really a match. Whatever. Main event, six-way match. Uh, the Rascals of Myron Reed, Trey Miguel, and Zach Wentz versus the second-year crew of uh, Manders, Warner, and Matt Justice. It is what you would expect it to be. Spots galore all over the building. Fight. But yeah, like here's the thing. I felt like I had to check this out. Moxley's all over the show. He's doing commentary on the Yuta match. He shows up for a promo. He's booking the show. All this stuff. The vibe is pretty solid for the most part. Um, And it's Revolver. So you know it's like Sammy Callahan. All that stuff. But really it's kind of like. Damn. Like Wrestling Revolver putting on a pretty decent show. That's worth checking out. I was kind of like impressed by it and like i said i just felt like gotta check this out and i did and it was it was worth my time i wouldn't say i wouldn't recommend watch everything if you're not like a you know again a a crazy person like me who has to watch every little thing but check out that shelly versus swan match and that's about it like marina shafir versus blair onyx if you want to see if you want to see what marina can do check it out but otherwise there's not a lot that i would recommend here okay yeah because i was uh because after you you guys talked last week about uh, or two weeks ago about the prestige show um with athena and uh my um i wanted to check it out but um i couldn't make it through because you guys were talking about the commentary and yeah, yeah it's it's yeah um, it's yeah. it's weird because I went to the Garden State Wrestling Show uh, last year, um, 
and the same commentator, he wasn't doing commentary, he was doing ring announcing, and he was super professional, and um, I thought he was he was really good at live, because um, I think uh, Veda Scott was doing actual commentary um, for that show. Um, so when you guys talked about um, this comment, the commentary, him being basically like baby Joey Styles, I thought you guys kind of exaggerating. So I put on the show and I started watching it. I'm like, oh, he's not that bad. And then like two matches in, I'm like, ah, I, 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 I can't go through this. <laughs> so, so that's, that's, that's yeah. why I haven't, I didn't, uh, I, I still haven't watched, um, the Athena, uh, Mayu match, um, from, from that show. So I'll probably watch that well, and then watch the revolve, the, the matches you recommend for the revolver show. If I could recommend it, I would say go to the prestige show live because that was, <laughs> that was the, the best experience yeah. that I had. I, cause like Quentin didn't even like the, um, the, uh, oh God, the, I can't even think of his name. Um, the Sonico Deathmatch with uh, ah, oh it? yeah, with Mal, yeah, well yeah, not with Mal, with um, ah, uh, oh, what is wrong with my brain? Um, either way, Shunma with the Sh- the Shunma Sonico Deathmatch. Quentin didn't like that as much on tape as I liked it in the building, and then the Athena Yamashita match again in the building without commentary was much better. Um, and then. Similarly, the Garden State uh, Anthony Henry versus Casey match had the commentator. It was the same commentator. He was doing ring announcing and commentary. Ah, on the okay. So, so yeah, I watched those. You know, in silence or in the building, and they're probably much better. But, uh, but either way, this um, this Revolver show, like I said, had it had what it had, and I would say check it out again. I'm getting. I'm getting back into my, you know, flying my freak flag as a uh, watching everything kind of kind of nightmare goon as I was in the past. Um, and as I work into that, there's going to be some shows like this that are not worth checking out. Um, I was going to say if you saw the Saber versus Ishii match that everyone's talking about, but I'm going to guess you did not. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, another one I did not see, but it's it's fun. free on YouTube. Um, yeah. Check it for, out for New Japan. You know they do all the TV matches. I'm totally behind on that. And um, well, I'm not, I'm not going to blame you because. Oh, sorry, you can finish. You're behind on that. I'm on that in the other New Beginning show with um, with Will and Taichi. I really wanted to see that match, and then I keep. I saw the reviews of Naito and uh, Umino, and I'm really yeah. high on Umino, so I'm dreading watching that because everybody said that basically Umino shit the bed okay. against Naito. No, there people are wrong about that. Umino okay. did not shit the bed with Naito, and they're kind of wrong about the other side of that, which is that people are going a little bit over the top for the. Uh, for the Osprey Tai Chi match. I think that both are like solid, decent matches. I think it's weird to like say one is really good and one is bad, or even to say that both are bad. I think they're both like medium level. Um I think the real thing is just catch twenty two. I think that people need to talk more about how great they are. 
Um, I hate to do that because, you know, don't love TJP, but he it is what it is. Um, and I got to give him some love because he's Filipino. You know, Pinoy boy. Always got to love my Filipino brothers. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, I guess ethnically Filipino, but culturally I've always had Filipino friends and I live in Filipino town now. So I've just been exposed to the culture forever. So I always like, I ride for my f- ride for them, but you know, catch 22 is, or I guess it's catch two, two, whatever the great, great team. But yeah, the Tai Chi Osprey match solid Naito Shota Unumo match is definitely also solid. I think it's crazy to say that Shota is, you know, shitting the bed and he's just not bringing it all this and that. It's like, I don't know what the fuck people are talking about, but I guess I kind of know what people are talking about because I don't know if you if you've watched any Dragon Gate, but Hip Hop Kakuda, Hidoka Kakuda, mm-hmm. like he's I think he's like the young guy for Dragon Gate right now that's like really breaking through as a big deal. And he is definitely better than both of you know, both of them. Definitely better than Shooter and uh and is uh for sure standing out so i can see i can kind of see that part of that part of it um either way jay we might as well just move on to what we're here to talk about because the only other thing i was going to ask you is if you saw fedor versus uh bader but i'm sure <laughs> i i guess i shouldn't say i'm sure i assume you didn't see it i saw the highlights of it um it's, it's not funny much because, yeah, yeah it's yeah it wasn't much um with fate, you know, I just saw the kind of like the admiration and and outpouring for Fedor because he's retiring, and um, it's really weird because um, I kind of saw the fallout because I really wanted to, wanted to see this because um, on one of the undercard fights, <laughs> somebody somebody retweeted uh, the video of a guy. I don't know if you saw it, a guy getting um, deadlift German suplex and just no soling it. <laughs> just going back to it, just going back to fighting, and and someone says, "Look, they're these these guys are really fighting, and they're no selling German suplexes. Why can't you yeah, have that right. in real wrestling <laughs> and yeah, pro yeah, wrestling? Yeah. yeah, but um, with Fedor, I'm I'm I wanted to see this uh the show overall because um I was was it a couple I guess roughly ten years ago. Um, when Fader fought uh, in New Jersey in East Rutherford, it was when he got upset by uh, Bigfoot. No, Bigfoot uh, Silva. Um, it just reminded me because um, that same night where Fader retired on Saturday, Dana White popped popped his big head up and and said that he doesn't think Fader is one of the greatest fighters of all time. He said never th- thought of that. But uh, if you if you know anything about Dana, he's had it out for Fedor for a while. I mean, he tried to negotiate course. him versus Brock, but it fell through because Fedor wanted wanted stuff. And you know, Fedor was coming in as the best heavyweight in the world back then, and um, so of course he wanted the the upper hand and and leverage in the negotiations. That's it's natural in business. So. When Fedor lost against Bigfoot Silver, I, I remember Dana White. You know, I was there live watching the fight, and everybody had this look like, "What the fuck?" Like it was just a total <laughs> yeah. shock. Like, and he, and this was this was um, Fedor even coming off of a, a loss in the previous fight, 
Yeah. Um, but I think it was just kind of a fluke thing, and we all thought he was going to bounce back, and then Bigfoot Silva just just gone down. Um, and everybody was just looking like, what the fuck? And I remember Dana White just tweeting out a smiley face because he's always had it out for Fedor and always wanted to prove that UFC was better than Pride and all this other bullshit. But, but yeah, like seeing the post fight, it kind of kind of brought me back um, when all the guys, like he was shaking guys like, um, like Rampage Jackson and, and um, Chuck Liddell and Dan Henderson and all those guys and Josh Barnett, like all those guys that come in um, basically as a send off, it just reminded me how fucking awesome pride was and, you know, mixed right. martial arts in pro wrestling, even pro wrestling. Um, we won't have that type of, you know, if, if you were, if you, if you knew and you were there, you know what I'm talking about in terms of, of pride fighting championships, how it was just so different in than anything you'll see. And even like, how big MMA has exploded into what it is today even in, in the United States, it doesn't touch anything that it was back in those pride days. Like it was just something you can't like you, you have to, if you wanted to know if you were some, somebody that's listening and weren't alive during that time or, or it just was just like a, like a, like little during that time, um, which makes me old. Cause it's like, it was only right. Like it was around two thousands to like two thousand six, but um just pride was just it was like perfect melting pot of of you know MMA the, the MMA brutality, but also the spectacle of pro wrestling. And that was my promotion. That's what I got me deep into um MMA at the time and that's why you know Marlon Owl still has a job to this day because people reflect on the days of pride before he got what he what he became to be now. Um so yeah that's that was the thing with Fedor that yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you kind of broke about that up made me yeah, go back yeah, to yeah. memory lane. Yeah. Yeah Fedor I mean the fight was great. Fedor I mean I shouldn't say the fight was great. The fight was Disappointing and Fedor looked like shit. Um, he was throwing like overhand punches that barely could connect. Bader fucking rocked him and he was leaking blood relatively quickly and just got demolished, right? Obviously. Mm -hmm. But the presentation and um, what you talked about with, uh, oh God, uh, I can't think of his name, the bad commentator from NXT. Um, Mauro Ronaldo. Yeah, Mauro Ronaldo. <laughs> Sounded amazing, and it reminded you, it reminded me of the old days. Um, and when when I realized that this show was happening, you know, a couple miles away from my house, I really regretted that I didn't go um, just to see Fader one last time. Because I talked about this on Quentin with Quentin and someone else recently. We were talking about MMA fighters, and for me, like, like you talked about, if you're at that age, like, it's really hard to not. Remember, Fedor is the baddest man on the planet. The 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 the, the fighter that can't be beat. You know, mm -hmm. the guy who goes. You know, I mean, fuck thirty and and one thirty. You know what I mean? Like the guy who who wins thirty fights with one loss. That's nuts. That's and that one crazy loss came from cuts. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, and, so... and and the one loss that he had, like you said, was like not was not a, a clean loss and then from there 
he has a couple losses, but he does bounce back and continues to win. And then he starts to lose some and win some, but wins more than he loses, you know? And just when you talk about a guy who's, who's unbeatable and then you see him at this age and he's so beyond it and just looks like against someone like Ryan Bader, who I'm not going to hate on because, you know, great fighter, a guy <laughs> who deserves his flowers and all this and that, but also feels like a second tier level fighter, you know, and just that's it. And whatever. It was good to see, you know, Fader have his last few fights and go out like this on the sword, on the shield. Um, quick fight, whatever, doesn't matter because he won his last two fights relatively quickly, right? So it's like, okay, you could say he, he lost quick, but he also has recently won quick. So <laughs> it's been a long time since you've seen a long fader fight, right? It's been it's been decades. And like you said, it's been we're getting old. <laughs> we're we're getting old for seeing our old men like hang him up. And and I don't know that anything comes close to this. Instead of this, people just want to watch like Mr. Beast. They don't want to watch like an actual beast like Fedor. They want to watch like a guy who's like a nice guy on YouTube, and you know, mm-hmm. we're, like I said, we're getting old. <laughs> we're moving on. But uh, yeah. either way, we should uh, probably talk about what we're here to talk about, right? The reason why I brought you here, unless there's anything else you want to talk about before we for, before we move on to the main event. Uh, no, pride never dies. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's it. That's it for sure. I mean, fuck, man. Like everyone just wants to see fights and see them promoted, you know, entertainingly, and that's all that pride means. Um, oh, speaking of that, what ahead. do you guys? Well, well, because Quentin's not here, I would have been. Um, it would have been a fun. Um, want to like, talk about just... Kyrie training to the? <laughs> do we want to talk about that? No, go ahead. No, no. Uh, Koto Bushi and. Oh, um, yes. His new his, school. Yeah, just because I think the... Did the news come out after you guys recorded that... Yeah. You know, Kota Ibushi, he's out of his contract and he's going to do spring break. Well, supposedly he's supposed to do spring break. He's I'm going to see him at uh, Bloodsport. I bought yeah, tickets Bloodsport for against, Bloodsport. Against Mike Bailey. Yep. Yeah, against Mike Bailey. Um, DDT in the same building four hours later and ROH. And that's the only tickets I bought so far. I only regret the ROH tickets because I'd rather go to this prestige show that has Aja Kong on it, but whatever. Oh, yeah, the Aja Kong. Like, well, also, so that's Mini Weekend. Do you think she works yeah. the TDPW show? I, um, I hope so. I would think that she would be on the DDT show. Mm-hmm. But... Because she's been working cyber agent, you know, I wouldn't. Hopefully, hopefully she shows up on the DDT show and I won't be as as upset because I'm going to miss her on the prestige show, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And my one out there thought maybe fantasy booking, maybe just my last desperation because I'm kind of 
through with for the culture like i i've i've give, yeah. given it a try each year on mini weekend and they're decent shows but um it's okay it's tough because i like billy dixon right mm-hmm. he's a good guy and he's taking over the for the culture mantle but like you said it's tough because it's been a disappointing show that has maybe had like one or two good matches and then now at this point i'm just like do i even want to continue like trying to support this thing right right either way sorry to to interrupt no no like to me if they're one hail mary if they could get aja kong to come in i know she's she's i know she's slowing she's slowed down a lot but um she usually has one great match yeah it's who cares and you could have that part of your video archives to sell it like oh she's she was part of the cult like she was on for the culture and um maybe do something with her in a tag match or whatever i'm trying to think of who would who would wrestle i know it's nicole savoy she's coming out of retirement for uh for west coast pro so right but that's i think that's in the pacific northwest and that's like a week before i would do because i don't i don't really know what's open Mm -hmm. but if i was really going to do like a for the culture thing i would probably do like because I think you could probably get it, and you could do Aja Kong, and um, uh oh God, what? Where is my brain? Where is my Trisha Dora? Jay, Jay, no, no, no. Okay. Um, what is it? Kings of the District, Eel O'Neill. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Versus um, Aja Kong, and um, and uh, I'm. I don't know why my brain is fucking like just completely blanking out, but the babe with the power, uh, the ROH AEW. Oh, Will Nightingale. Yes. Nightingale and Aja versus the Kings of the district. That would be the match that I would book because I think you would get the idea of Willow and Aja as a tag team, I think is the most like passing the torch thing that you could dream of doing for like mm-hmm. an american wrestler so yeah that would be that that would be the match that i would book it would make sense because you know she willow's done d i don't know i said ddt djbw she before did. yeah so yeah, yeah. and she's probably coming back soon for them and she'll probably um the way many weekend will shake out she'll probably work that show the tgp yeah she'll show. work the ROH show so mm-hmm. she'll be in the neighborhood, right? So yeah, yeah, that's a good match. Yeah, yeah, that would be the match that I would book if you're doing like for the culture and trying to get the most out of it. And yeah, Aja Kong, and it would be a huge match in general, but it would also be like a really good like booked wise match. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I'm just again, like I said, I'm really bummed out because the the show that I would want to see the most is right now on paper is the show that has Aja Kong and Timothy Thatcher booked. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately I have tickets for a show at the same time. Gotcha. But we'll live. We will move on. Yeah. Um, but before I got sidetracked uh, <laughs> with my thing, uh, Kota Ibushi, you know, that story, but also did you hear the story of Ryzen, you know, Saki Gabara, the president of Ryzen, he's, he wants to offer 
this this was like in Tokyo Sports and in the Japanese media that he wants to offer Abushi his own promotion. Um, oh no! Yeah, he, no, well, I just heard about Abushi and opening his school for six. Like you have to pay six grand, but you get room and board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did not hear about having a promo a promotion connected would really help with this. But yeah, what's the uh, what is this? Because I did not hear about this. So. Um, it was two things at play. Like with Ryzen, um, he wants Kota Ibushi to come in Ryzen and do an exhibition with Manny Pacquiao, <laughs> which is fucking insane. But it's something that would happen because they've done this before, you know, with Floyd Mayweather and Tension. Um, that's a cow. <laughs> um, and Floyd just literally just boxed a couple of weeks ago with another fighter um and they brought and i think manny was at that show so they want to bring in manny to do boxing exhibitions because um he's towards the end of his career um and kota bushi it would garner that attention um i know some people will hate it hate the idea but um i kind of i kind of want out of, out of intrigue to, to see yeah. this but also um, the prospect of Kotobushi, like it was kind of thinly worded that, um, you know, Ryzen would dip their toe into making a pro wrestling, um, organization and maybe Kotobushi would start it for them. Um, because, uh, Saki Barra said, he said stuff before in the press. Um, I remember, you know, a friend of the show, Alex, she told, she told me that um, Saki Gabara wanted to promote um, a, a female wrestling show as long as the Crush Gals would reunite because um, it was like a like a um, it was like a public thing that he was doing with um, Shigusuke Nagayo, and I think that's kind of like the biggest hurdle is Lina Sasuke has been out of the public. For a, for a long time, so he wanted he wanted just kind of like a hail mary thing for them to get together and come back to wrestling. Um, obviously, that didn't happen, but um, you know, dating back to when his involvement in Pride and um, the backing the 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 company behind Pride, they did Hustle. You remember for all those years back, and yeah, um, I could definitely see it. I could definitely see there. I mean. With it's funny because um, the same video production team that does Ryzen shows and like pre tapes, they do all the Wrestle Universe stuff mostly for Noah and also for DDT. So, and there's been rumors about um, Noah going after Kota Ibushi because he's he's without a contract. Um, I just I'm just interested in seeing where he goes next. Um, it looks like he's not going to be tied down to anyone, but um, you know, a, a wrestling from another wrestling promotion popped up in Japan. I'd be really interested, especially if Ibushi's the centerpiece of it, and and now this weird stuff with I don't know if you've heard about Shibata, and maybe he's he's out there, and um, yeah, because now the now the New Japan LA Dojo is becoming the New Japan Academy, and Kashida's Kashida and um. What is what is no days off? Uh, 
Fred Ross. Oh, uh, they're, yeah. he, they're heading that up. So, um, yeah, because I haven't seen. I mean, Shibata's taking pictures and stuff, and he's around, but I don't know if he's like the lead trainer anymore. So, and it looks like and Shibata's been having these weird random one-offs, one-off matches. I mean, the last one we saw was him against Orange Cassidy. So, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm like really intrigued to see where he goes and also Abushi goes. It's it's going to be a lot to see because there's a ton of stuff. There's a ton of balls in the air, and the Coda versus Pacquiao thing feels like I saw that going around as a meme, and people are like honestly really excited about that in a buzzy way that I'm just like. How could you actually care about this? But I don't know. I guess I guess I could see why. It just does not feel like that's that's not gonna be an entertaining fight. But we just talked about Bader versus Fedor, which people were talking about and going crazy for, and that was not even on paper. I could have told you that's not an entertaining fight, right? Like mm-hmm. so so it's just like, what do you expect? And there's so much there that people just want like freak show stuff. If if there's money behind Coda, which makes sense in this weird way, <laughs> I heard this story today, and I, I know I heard this before, but I heard it recently referenced on by uh, Mike Spears on the uh, Spearsovation newsletter. Go follow him. Ghost.io.spears, you know, Spears Reverse, Spearsovation, whatever it is. Um, talking about the history of, of Coda in his application to uh Toriumon. Do you have you heard the story before? Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. supposed to train in Toriumon. Yeah. Right. But he his application was so fucked up and he sent it to the wrong address and it wound up days later and they just and Shima got the application and told him to fuck off, basically, because they were just like, we don't want to deal with you. And that's the thing about Coda is that, you know, we've talked about it on here before. There's no good billionaires. Coda is a Nepo baby. His family has tons of money from like whatever they, you know, all that stuff. So you think about it and you go like, this guy, <laughs> this guy could come up with the most insane bullshit ever. But what do you expect? He's got the drive and the determination to do anything possible, but he's also got no real reason to give a fuck because he's a Nepo baby billionaire. So we'll see, but it's all very entertaining when it really yeah. comes down to it for yeah. this fucking school, this Kota Ibushi Academy that you spend six grand to go to his school and live with Kota Ibushi and learn how to wrestle. And honestly, if I had six grand to throw around and I wanted to be a wrestler, there's worse. There's a lot worse ways to spend your money. Even mm-hmm. if you don't have a connection to a promotion or whatever, I think that training with Ibushi, living with Ibushi for six months or whatever it is, I think you could figure something out, you know? Right, right. Um, I'm trying to think. Would he have been the same year as Okada in terms of... Yes, yes. Okay. It would have been Okada, Ibushi, Shingo, and... Um, there was someone else who would have all been in the same class year. Ishimori? 
Uh, or Ishimori, no, Ishimori was Ishimori was okay, yeah, okay. He's younger. Yeah. Um, there was somebody else. There were some other famous wrestlers who I can't think of, but it was like Okada, Shingo, um, Abushi, and like two other really famous wrestlers who I can't think of off the top of my head who would have all been in the same Toriumon class. Wow. But obviously it didn't happen, you know, because Shingo or Okada didn't. Okada went later. Obushi had his issues and, you know, it was like Shingo and like a dragon kid or somebody. Mm-hmm. So, um, either way, yeah, <laughs> stardom 12th anniversary. Can you explain to me the Naniwa roulette match? This whole thing, like, just just give me the whole thing from beginning to end. Okay, and- so, <laughs> um, so Naniwa is the place in Osaka that they were in, um, that stardom was in in Osaka. Um, but it's basically, I don't want to say it's like doy darts, um, but um, it's kind something of. that, yeah, it's kind of something with Mayu Itani. She came up with basically on the fly on the, on a, one of the last shows. And um, basically the rules were, um, it was five minute draws for each, each match. It's basically a gauntlet match. And you win by pin submission over the top rope. Or draw. So if you draw, both wrestlers are eliminated. Um, the winner gets to challenge any, have the right to challenge any, for any title, um, including tag team titles. Um, which is funny because some people were saying, well, what about the Cinderella tournament that's coming up next month? Um, so, so that's, that was that. Um, and the faces you saw. Um, when the clock was going around, that was the beacon, um, which is the god of uh, good luck and fortune. Yeah, and it's kind of like memed a little bit because uh, if you if I'll I think I'll tweet out of the video. Um, there's a video going around of uh, Club Venus with Mina Shirakawa, Mariah May. So. Uh, Zaya Brookside and Waka Tsukiyama, they go around and Yamina's know, explaining all this all this stuff to them, um, going out on the street and being being like their tour guide or whatever. And um, you know, the face of the that face, that bronze face, it was kind of it's kind of like memed in in Japanese culture. So yeah. um, you know, for the god god of good luck and fortune, or whatever. So um, so that's why they had this match that was nearly an hour long match to to start the show. Um, I think that's the best way to explain it. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's bit is it Billy Ken Billy Ken Beacon? What did you say? Uh, yeah, like Billy. It's a it's a lot of eyes. Uh, Billy Ken. Yeah. yeah, Billy Ken, and yeah. uh. Fukuhin Death comes out as the like Billykin Death um a version of the the god or whatever the statue thing. Um which I, I liked that. I thought it was funny because 
people, reporters, and news sites misunderstood the the way that things went, and and they said that Billy Ken Death won because of the like the idea that the storyline was that Billy Ken won, but because that's how things should be because Billy Ken is the god of like you said the god of destiny, but it's like this weird kind of Japanese thing where Billy Ken is not necessarily what you say the god of destiny, but the god of like how things should end up. So yeah, good luck and fortune. Yeah, yeah. So so Fukuken death won because this was the god of how things should be, but it was not necessarily that she actually won. And then Saki Kashima comes out and beats Billiken Death. Billiken, yeah, Billiken yeah. Death. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then actually makes the challenge because I saw reports saying that Billiken won, but Billiken did not win. Um, solid match. It went for an hour. Mayu looked great. They were kind of doing this Mayu running the gambit, going through everyone. Um, until the time draw with Tam. Um, then you get Mina and Nat. Uh, and then they go to the time limit. And then I was just kind of like, God, we can't just like repeatedly keep going to the time limit draws here. Because it's just like, then that becomes just over the top. But after that, we get... All right, Jay. I know there was something I wanted to talk to you about, actually, where it was like someone... Talking like Micah wins. Ah, God damn it. This is painful. I have to pull this up. Someone who posted something about Micah wins and then the person responded talking about their erection. And did, did you see what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> I'm... Oh, okay. This is painful. <laughs> I don't I don't want to have to hunt this down now. It was like someone saying Micah pin Julia and tagging someone and the person who responded was like you know i'm i'm horny for all of this or whatever and then the the person who was like quote tweeting that was just like this is fucking brutal you guys suck um either way i don't i don't think i'm gonna find this so i'm just gonna like uh move on and not talk about the what I was going to say but either way the Naiwa um, roulette was weird fun but you know it was it was really long right am I right that it was really long yeah it felt like I was watching the Royal Rumble again <laughs> like I yeah. watched like it was it was I guess their answer to the Royal Rumble it was better eliminations I would say than the than what I saw sure. from the Women's Royal Rumble. But, um, yeah, this was... I had to double-check. And, and one thing for sure, um, if people are wondering about this show, cheering crowds are back, So you and everybody on this show is over, except for one per, one or two people that we'll talk about later. But, um, yeah, in, in in this match, like it seemed like everybody was over. Like, yeah, Waka... Yeah. yeah, and I've been watching Stardom shows since 2015. This was the rowdiest I've ever heard a Stardom crowd because I was really um, worried because before the pandemic, Stardom crowds, they were okay, but I thought they lost a lot of steam 
um, right before they got bought by Bushiroad, and it's not the case anymore. They were rowdy, and it was it was just like um, we were transported back into all Japan women's time, you know, right. late late right. late nineties all Japan women's time, where everybody was getting all these pops and these loud chants, and yeah, it was. For for people like Momokogo and Waka Sukiyama to get uh pops uh throughout the match, um thought that was really interesting to see. Yeah. I I found what I was talking about and I sent it to you. It's a uh, kaiju fan posting a screenshot from someone who says, Holy shit, uh Maki actually beat Julia. Pep's gonna be ecstatic, and then Pep's wrestling, I had a boner and came all over my screen. Oh, wow. Um, which is, seems weird, but uh, I don't know. You shouldn't talk like that, obviously, but the person who's like commenting on the screen cap is like, you know, I don't get why English speaking Josie communities allow this person to be involved speaking with wrestlers for interviews, which I don't know who these people are. I don't get the like conversation. I don't know what the connection is there. Like, well, I don't know Peps, if you know, just Pep yeah, interview people. Yeah, usually does collaborations with that dark pure su frugian or frozen okay. account. Yeah, 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 that does these like one off interviews, but like, um, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that because I have my own sure, questions sure. about that, about that account. Right. So, right, right, right. um, yeah, but Peps, I know Peps writes for Wrestle Purist. Um, right. Okay. So, so yeah, like, I mean, most wrestling fans are kind of sh- shitty. I mean, I'm not trying to make like a defense for anyone, but this is not that crazy and it's weird to, I think it's weird to be like, why does this person get to interview people? And it's like, I don't know, because they have connections and they're shitty. Like, that's how it's always worked. Like, it's, I don't know, it's kind of the same thing where people are like, why don't you ask, you know, the president why he's an asshole? It's because you can't get <laughs> in the room to ask them that. They're not going to. They're not going to let me ask Joe Biden why he's a fucking piece of shit, right? They're not going to put me there. But that's yeah. that's kind of why. That's how it works. Whatever. Um, either way, moving on. The only reason why I wanted to find that because I just wanted to say that Mariah or Myra May versus Thecla is yeah. kind of the most attractive stardom matchup that I've ever seen. That was like the only reason why we wanted to bring this up. Either way, moving on. Uh, Triangle um, Derby. I will say, but, Mariah May, she's really improved in ring. She's a good wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I and have I've my always reservations. Thought that, yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, no, no, no. No, I said I, I had my reservations on her, but um, she's proved me wrong. And yeah. Um, it looks like she's going to stay, I won't say for the rest of the year, but pretty much she's going to stay for Sardom for a while because she's booked for the um, the Cinderella tournament. Yeah, that's that's good because she's actually really a really solid wrestler. I don't know what the fuck is going on with Zaya Brookside. It feels like 
she's not around. She's part of the group. They'll move on from her, but whatever. Either way, um, Triangle Derby match, uh, Oedo Tai team um, with was Hakua. Haruka uh, Umazaki. Umazaki versus the Stars team, which is, I think, should just be like, uh, what is it? Uh, Hakume triple crazy instead of double crazy. Um, yeah, they're called is, classmates. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> oh, is that what they call the, the trios? Yeah, with Hazuki, Koguma, and, and Saida. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. call them classmates. They are, a great trios team. This match was phenomenal with three of them, but I don't know if you have anything else to say, Jay, but I, I really love this. The vibe between everyone, the way they play off of each other. And I continue to think that Hazuki is ready for a big push. Like, I don't want Saya to lose the white belt anytime soon, but I mean, I really do think that Hazuki is ready for a white belt run. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, she's kind of been due, even going back to 2018. I I personally feel like she's been due. Um, and the crowd, she's over. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't think she would be this over, but she is over. And maybe it's that's part of when she was on that TV show with um with Fuichan, the the YouTuber. She was on primetime TV with her doing that match against Saya and um oh gosh. Was it Hanan? No, it wasn't Hanan. Um anyway, but she was yeah, on primetime no, TV. Yes, yes, yes. I know what you're talking about. The 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 YouTuber, right? The oh god. Either Fua. way. Yeah, Fua. Yeah, yeah, Fua, Fua John. Yeah. So maybe she that's extended to her popularity because um I saw a video that teasing that Fu is going to come back and she might come back for the, uh, I would, I would probably place, place good money that she would come back in April for the, uh, Yokohama arena show. Um, that's the stardom, uh, I think it's not dream all-star dream queendom. I think that's, that's what they're calling it. It's like the, it's like the 30th anniversary of the, uh, all Japan women's, all-star dream slam so um put good money that she would probably be on that show but um if hazuki i mean hazuki came off really well on that tv show just helping her helping train her um if any way possible you could get her versus saya um on that show that'd be great yeah Um, i think honestly i mean i already kind of teased at it but I don't even know how, like, you know, how invested I am in this concept. But as you continue to say it, like, Hazuki versus Saya for the title, I think would be a good way for Saya to to drop the strap. Like, that would be that would be a really good match. It'd be an awesome matchup between the two. They're both really over, and I think that Kaguma is ready. Like, yeah. So I didn't. When I say Kaguma should have a white belt run, I was like, eh, hey, you know, whatever. But I really do think that she's like when you when you say it out loud, like, yeah, she could beat Saya. And I love Saya. We'll get to that in the in her match, but continue to move on here, I guess, and 
unless you have anything else to say about this trios. Um, or the next trios. Feel free to move on to the next trios match. Yeah, let's go to the next trios match. That was uh, Queen's Quest with Zumi, Lady C, and Utami Hashida versus Godzai, uh, Amisure, Shuri, Shuri, and the floating member of Godzai, Konami. And she came back and she won. Um, it's good to see Konami back. Um, she was over too. Um, I was wondering because, like, she was in that weird period where Bushiro got bought, bought, and then you know the Hanukkah passing. But I think a lot of people still remember her from from that time. I was super. I was super high. Was always super high on Konami, dating back when she debuted in the company in twenty six end of twenty sixteen. I thought she would be like a pillar for for stardom. Um, obviously she's, she had to leave because of health reasons, but looks like she's, she's back healthy. I don't think she'll ever come back on a full-time basis, but, um, this year she's treated like a star and, and got the win here. And I thought it was a pretty good match. Decent match. Yeah. I, I really, really liked this match. I liked the setup between the two teams. I liked the way that everyone was like, again, presented, Super strong for what they were doing. Uh, Konami looked great at her spot. Um, Shuri, obviously phenomenal when she's in there. Um, Ami Sarai hit her hit her stuff. Azumi was, I, I mean, Azumi is just again ready to break out. Another one who was just like they they just need a place for her at the top of the card, but she's there. Um, Lady C. I liked like the Lady C doing the giant swing. I liked Lady C like hitting the the spots where she's at. She clearly is ready to do something next. And then Utami, I okay. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you. Maybe I don't know how much you're following things or where you're at with with uh, Utami Hayashida and her whole thing. But I just is. Okay, so Utami, I've seen like, or I've heard people refer to her as the handsome prince. I saw the the stuff with her and Tanahashi being presented like together. Um, I think that she did like a photo shoot for like a men's wear like uh, magazine, right? Um, is Utami meant to be presented as a like a tomboy or is she like non-binary? Do, do you know any of like what the vibe is there? Because it really does feel like Utami is presented as like kind of a masculine presenting like person. Do you know what I'm talking about or or do you know more than what I'm saying here? Um, I mean, with Utami, she's it's, it's I think what a lot of from what I've heard with um with stardom in particular um in terms of the characters that's all up to the to the wrestler so I'm guessing she's presenting herself in her own way um it's it's a stark difference between um a couple of years ago where she's had the hair extensions she's wearing these dress wearing these mini like dresses and mini skirts and all that stuff and now she's wearing you know you know suit jackets and all that and i think the 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 photo shoot thing was kind of like a i think somebody did a photoshop job um it was from 
because where she was wearing the suit was from the uh, the Stardom oh, okay. Awards. Yeah, yeah, the recent Stardom Awards. But like, um, I think somebody just put like a fake, you know, magazine cover over it. I mean, she looks great. Um, but I think she's it's what she is because when she debuted, she she really did uh, present herself as like a tomboy type. Yeah. Um, she would kind of switch back and forth. And I think that's going to be what Utami is going forward. She's really over with women. Um, I if, if watch, watching the match, you hear the shrieks, and you know she comes out um, every match and hands uh, a rose to the of to course. a female member of the yeah. audience. So. Um, with Utami, I think she's just going to do whatever she wants. Like, if she wants yeah. to look, yeah, like, um, if she wants to have, um, wants to present herself as non-binary, that's great. If she wants to present herself, um, feminine, that's great. If she wants masculine, it's, I think it's just up to her. And we kind of need that in Sarnam. Um, you know, I remember the former Kigetsu, who's now Yu Ushino, who, um, uh, you, she know, you know, Kagetsu was, uh, basically in that role that Otami kind of is now and was very over with the female fan base, you know, that, you know, it's a small fan base in stardom, but it was, she was, it, you know, Kagetsu was very over, um, presented that way. And you kind of need that up and down, either, uh, in, in, in wrestling, you know, in all women's promotions, you know thinking back to, you know, Dynamite Kansai and, um, you know, Shinobu Kandori and Yoshino, mm-hmm. um, you know, Toshio Yamada, you know, you kind of have that, right. that, 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 that look to get over to satisfy, you know, certain fans. You know, Alex has talked about it before with the tag teams, you know, she's doing extensive research on, on the beauty pair and how like one, one, you know, one, you know, beauty pair and then the crush gals, how one, one side of the tag team is presents masculine. What other side is, is feminine, you know, presenting this as girl relationships. So, um, you know, Yutami's not in a tag team, you know, uh, right now. I mean, whenever tag league comes, she always tags with, with Saya. So I guess that would be the way they would present themselves as well. Oh, traditionally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, that is a that's a that's a vibe right yeah. <laughs> and tommy and 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 uh saya is definitely a you know utami bf uh saya gf kind of vibe for sure yeah and everybody makes fun of you know rio's run and in, in stardom how that was kind of you know people talk about how awkward it was because she wouldn't take any pens but I think the the most important thing that came out of it was you know the flirting um, storyline between Utami and and Rio. So yeah, um, so yeah, like you know Utami, she she does what she wants, and I think the fans eat it up. Yeah, I I, I am a big fan of the Handsome Prince. I definitely bow down to uh, Utami, and I will forever like uh, you know believe in like a Hayashida dominance um so either way moving on I don't know Jay match of the night this is my match of the night I think um Hash versus Mariah my biggest issues with Mariah are always kind of 
that she I love Mariah until she like smiles <laughs> basically is my point like I I think that she is the best it's funny because I was recently talking about uh Micah being like Goto of stardom but not necessarily the same career as Goto but then in this match I really thought about it and I was like Mariah is really more like Goto when it comes to career in the company because she's perfect for this hard-hitting intense fucking fight insanely believable could beat Hash by the end of it but the aggressiveness the grappling back and forth the amateur wrestling the suplexes the throws the violence this is again there's not a lot of wrestling that comes close to this i think I think that I'm pretty firmly in the uh, handwork, you know, Simon Darby Allen versus Samoa Joe is the match of the year, but mm-hmm. I still have to watch this that would match, be very yeah. close. This is very close. Number two, possible number one. These two beat the fuck out of each other. This match is amazing. But Jay, what do you have to say? Uh, yeah, I loved it too. Um, I've been debating back and forth when I watched it whether this match or the next match was ma- my match of the night. Um, and I just, it's funny because I just came across um, uh, Dana, who does stardom translations. It's funny because, like, um, with stardom, there's like, now there's like four people that do translations along with um, the people that work on Stardom World. You know, um, there's Dana. There's um, another, there's like HD subs, who I forgot the Twitter handle, and there's Karen Peterson, and there's Shigio, um, whereas, you know, Dragon Gate only has Jade Church, who does, um, you translate stuff no one else does, but anyway, but um, with Dana. I will just, give a shout out to Dana, because I do like Dana's subs, so continue. Yeah, I'm just seeing the translations. I thought it was funny because um, I did. Um, Mariah, we were talking about Mariah being um, Goto. You know, Mariah is now cutting promos saying she's the ace of stardom, um, which is wild because she hasn't won a damn thing. She's only won the Cinderella tournament. So um, for for that to play into this match, um, and basically Jihiro just giving her a humbling beating, even though. Mariah was great in the match and played great underdog baby face. I mean, um, you know, from the moment she came out and, you know, I thought she would be caught, you know, throughout the pandemic, she's gotten over it with rhythmically clapping to her theme song. There was none of that here. She comes out, she has this like stone face knowing that she's going to face this, this fucking monster and hero. And, you know, she's coming up to to the desk. Um, Rai Sakurai from uh, Donna Del Mano's at the commentary desk, and she fist bumps her, um, almost like go get her. Like you know, she's invading our house. Go go beat her, and she doesn't. You know, and it's it's funny because like Mai um, is you know, even though from a former um, was in a different faction, they were together. Um, with Don Del Mono for a little bit. So it was like almost that connection there. 
storyline wise and i thought it was really good subtle point for them to 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 show and just for her to get beat it just adds another layer to it to the story of mariah she can't you know she can't win the big one you know being like goto and um when you guys talked about Chihiro, it's funny because Quint, you talked about Chihiro uh, a couple of weeks ago when when Chihiro faced um, Shinya Aoki in DDT. Yeah. Um, in that match, a fantastic fucking match. Who, yeah, people should definitely go out of their way to watch. Yeah, and to go from that match, you know, to this match, um, makes me wonder if Chihiro, you know, Chihiro is going to face. Shuri possibly at Yokohama Arena, how great her year is going to be. Um, I haven't really kept up with Chihiro just because getting lost with so much wrestling going on. Like Sendai kind of went under the under the radar, but I think this might be the moment where Chihiro comes back into national, you know, I guess internet prominence. I would say, and people start you know going going crazy over her coming back and just you know this match just proved like she's still one of the best wrestlers in the world no doubt about it and i've always loved her ever since she debuted what in 2016 2017 um and she got that big push in sendai girls winning the championship uh to me um yeah i love this match and um i want to want to rewatch this just to talk to you about it um just, just talk more about it yeah yeah um well then we get the post match shuri comes out and it's just hmm. like i don't even know what the what the vibe is here if shuri is just like because you know mirai and shuri don't necessarily have like a super close connection i mean you know just shuri i guess mirai is in god's eye so shuri is like coming out to protect her but she's also you know, giving the mic to to Hashimoto, um, letting C-Hash cut her promo. She's kind of challenging her out afterwards, but also it just feels like Hashimoto's ready for like a big challenge, probably for the red belt, but I guess you could build up through like a Shuri and Hashimoto match and then get Hashimoto to the, to the red belt, but it doesn't really feel like she needs it. So yeah, like, I just like, uh, all the stuff you're talking about there, and then Hashimoto—that—that's the toughest part with with you know, C Hash is that like she can beat anyone. <laughs> she could beat. Um. Oh God, <sighs> Aoki, the mm-hmm. like we were just talking Aoki, about. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, does she really need build to wrestle Julia? Not, not really, you know, but where do you reset her and then as you're talking about building that up because you've got you know the the history between C hash and you as a tag team into the next match for the goddesses of of stardom tag team titles the seven up neo stardom is neo stardom army even a thing jay is that a real unit uh i mean Yes and no. If if they're going to bring back alpha and female, then yes. No, if they don't. Um, right. If they don't, then it's just seven up with 
with uh, another P because it's basically been in the in the Triangle Derby. It's been Nanai, you, and you know, um, Miss Miss Normie. Yeah, it was you, Miss yeah. Normie. Not not almost in you. Uh, I almost said Mizunami, but that's that's another wrestler. Um, yeah, Mizunami, the pineapple girl. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess technically it's still around, but not really. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Who knows? But the one thing we do know is that this tag team match absolutely fucks. This is a brutal, fucking, just brutes. Bringing the violence. Okay. Himeka doing this random knee selling spot in the middle of the match. Perfect. 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 The way that they built that up. I mean, yeah. from the opening, this is what you wanted out of this match. Like, I wouldn't have predicted the story with the 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 knee thing and the and the ref and all this stuff you know stopping the match in the middle with Hamika but everything else from this was like delivered exactly what you wanted the only like the biggest issue i could come up with is just that like Hameka didn't like sell the knee perfectly throughout the entire match when especially when they like get into the tower of doom spot it felt very like forced and didn't make sense with the storyline whatever but otherwise this is exactly what you would want and predict for this matchup yeah yeah and it's something that um if you're really into stardom you would kind of pick you kind of would have picked this up but um pick this up so really really subtly um it was at the stardom awards that you know everybody you know the stardom awards is basically they give out the year-end awards to to the wrestlers um from the roster and the, it also gives them an opportunity to do meet and greets with the fans. With the meet and greets with Donna Del Mondo, Himeka was coming out. Uh, you know, everybody's dressed up either gowns and, and or suits like Utami, um, and then high heels or whatever. Uh, with with Himeka, she came out with a dress, but also with a knee brace and was in sneakers. Um, and basically they had a proper leg up during the meeting greets. That's something you would only had to see, um, during the inter like if you were browsing through Twitter and whatnot. So if, if you were doing that, it kind of rewards you with this match in terms of her messing up her knee, um, coming off that, that high knee spot against uh, during, in, in the beginning of the match. Um, but if you're not, then it's, it's kind of just kind of like out there, but it also kind of, neither way it will suck you in, in terms of, of somebody, you know, you really think, oh, you know, she's really hurt. What's going on? And then to me, the beauty of it is that Mike basically plays Ricky Morton for the rest of the match and <laughs> just getting beat down and then, you know, going for the hot, you know, trying to survive to, to get to the hot tag. I thought this match was tremendous and, um, they are yeah. my my Hime, Mike and Emeka, They are super over and yes. with that crowd, and that fan base wants wanted them so badly to win this championship, this tag team titles. Because I mean, you, Nanai and you, they're outsiders, so they're not going to get um big big reactions from the crowd. Um, even the post match, someone 
you know, the Nanai was a grandma, <laughs> you know, joking about that. Um, but, you know, I didn't know how over they were until this match. And um, I, I, I date, it dates back to a couple of years ago when um, right after the Julia hair, hair match where she lost it, they immediately plugged her in the title program, Thurn Shuri versus Mike and Mecca for the tag titles. And I thought that was the worst thing for them to do because I thought Mike and Mecca were a, a, a hot tag team. Um, I, I was proven wrong because now, now's the time. Um, I know they yeah. lost here and it gives them the out because, you know, Hameka was, you know, you know, selling the leg and whatever, but, um, down the road, um, I think if, I mean, both of them are, are great, could be great single stars, but them together, they could be like an LCO type tag yeah. team where they could just super over and that fan, that fan base loves them. Um, and yeah, just no, big that's brute. A, yeah. That's a great comparison and, 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 and just like perfect in general. Like I love both of them. For singles, but as a tag team, there's something special there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're just so different from everybody else. Just a big bruising <laughs> tag team where they just um I won't I won't say they're like like twin towers almost in a way of like Hino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can yeah, see like, that, yeah. Yeah, like like with Yuji Hino and and you know that, that tag that tag team, um you know, I it's really you haven't seen that really. I'm trying to think of the teams like that. In Joshi, I don't remember. Um, maybe. Oh gosh, <laughs> there's a there's an '80s tag team I'm, I'm referring. I'm thinking back of who was. Uh, it'll 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 hit me later. But um, there's an '80s tag team that that reminds me of them also. But um, yeah, um, hell of a match. Um, I thought Mike, you know, Hameka selling was good, but not, not great, uh, but it, it got the crowd into it. And, and, uh, Micah just, you know, playing Ricky Morton again was great. Oh. And, um, nice. <laughs> yeah. And, sorry. <laughs> and, you know, and I and you, um, again, you getting, getting, a, I think you got the fall in, in this match again. Um, yeah. you know, they're putting a lot of emphasis on you becoming, um, the pin getter and this Nanai, you, ever since the tag league, they've been, they've been great. Um, a lot of people had to eat crow, but they've been great entertaining tag team. And they're, they're two for two against, against Mike and Mecca. I want to see the trilogy. Like they're, I, they could wrestle a bunch of times. I won't get bored by it. No, definitely. Uh, Definitely not getting bored between this this matchup, as you said. These this pairing between the two is perfect. Um, I thought that <laughs> it was just insanely impressive the way that you, like you and Nanai, looked just so dominant between against these two. Um, the the violence, the aggression, the way that they put them down. But my Hime, uh, the tag team is like. Like you talked about, special. There's something there that I think that people will like continue to build up. They're greater. They're, both both members of the team are insanely talented, and I'm like a huge fan of them. But the they're like somehow the you know they're greater than the the 
the some of their parts like the, the the way that they work together becomes um becomes something special uh nanai did get the pin so unfortunately that's okay. not correct bmi 2000 comes out and challenges afterwards and it just feels like i don't know after something like this it feels like such a placeholder you know kind of thing but what's not a placeholder following this is uh tall saya saya kamatani versus momo watanabe the video packages i thought building up to this were great the the drama of this story i always love this kind of story which is you know a champion defending breaking a record against the record holder which is what we have here which is that saya is trying to is going to break the record for most defenses against the champion the former champion who previously had the most defenses right i love that kind of story going back you know since i was a kid i always think that it's so great when you can like put this together and then you have it here um Saya, I absolutely love Saya Kamatani, and I think that this white, or yeah, this white belt run for Saya is fucking amazing. And I do not get the people who don't love Saya. I just, I, I love everything about this. I think that she's so fucking good. I think that after the like shakiness that she's coming off of, the the way that she finishes this off with the, like one of the cleanest Phoenix splashes you'll ever see. I just think like I get maybe saying whatever you have to say about her, but the selling, the aggressiveness, and then also delivering such a clean Phoenix splash. I don't really know where people come across or come where they come off hating on Saya at this point because she's just so immensely talented and just everything she does looks so fucking crisp like her high flying stuff looks great it looks brutal it looks violent like I don't know I don't get hating on Saya like I really do not get it Jay like am I fucking crazy here because I don't know what side of this you're on, but there's people who don't like Saya Kamatani, and I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Jay, what, what do you think about this she, match? She's good. Um, but I'll be honest, this match was a little bit disappointing. Um I thought it you know, it was and it's not on Saya per se, even though she did miff that that one table spot to the outside where you know the she was kind of trying to do the canoe double stomp. Um I think it was just the structure of it of Momo had to get her heel stuff in, um, you know, throwing, you know, throwing the, um, throwing I almost said a canister, but it was like just like a box, you know, and it whiffed and miss Miss Saya. Um, it was kind of all over the place, um, but once it got got settled back into the match, I thought it was the final stretch was really good. Um, you know, Sai, I. I I, I see where people think where size people think size bad um in terms of um I don't know like I I like Sai I'm with you it's just I could see I could yeah. see where I could see where they are picking holes at her game 
um, in terms of, you know, connectivity in terms of transitions and whatnot, but she's done a really good job throughout this title reign. Um, I can't, I, you know, I think this match was one of the lower matches, but she just had a really good match against Ami Saray in the previous pay-per-view. Like she's, She's been the, their workhorse throughout throughout the course of the year, whether it's main eventing, smaller pay-per-views with title defenses, or being semi-main like she was in this pay-per-view. Um, you know, I just, it, I just don't, I don't see the hate on this. Like, I get, I, I, I'm not trying to say that Saya Kamatani is the perfect wrestler or anything like that, but I mean. Jesus Christ, like with the with what she does here with every opponent as you're talking about where they need her to main event or semi-main, whatever, like the drama's there, the selling's there, the the athleticism's there, like I mean, really, she's you know <laughs> this is one thing I fucking love. Um, and if you know, if you know, you know, she's like She's the best at doing all this stuff for any wrestler who's not named Will Ospreay. Um, either way, <laughs> like she's fucking amazing at everything. And with the title, making this belt means, and especially coming off of the Tam white belt run, to actually like come back and make this belt continue to feel like, you know, in that conversation as this should be the real title you would think that this title would like drop you know in the like in the hierarchy when you move off of the tam run where it was like making this making the white belt feel like the real belt and not mm -hmm. the secondary belt and then saya comes through with this reign and now you're really fucking seeing like this belt will continue to be the real belt like i'm sorry i don't know what the fuck people are talking about like i do not see it like her selling her her moves everything she does this is science is the, probably the best champion in the world right now the, the, i mean the counter there is a really awkward weird spot in this match where it seems like she's trying to counter like a maiden in japan and it just doesn't make any sense the idea yeah. that it was countered that's like the biggest like miffed blown spot or whatever. But other than that, I mean, Saya is probably the best champion in wrestling, you know, like really like for the past year and a half, like there's nobody who's a better champion than Saya. Like I, I adore this match. I adore Saya Kamatani. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. And I, again, like I said, I love the drama where you break the record against the record holder. That's such a cool little thing to do. And she does it here. Um, great man. Well, I, and closes I, it out. Closes it out before before you jump in. Closes it out with the question is, she's break, she broke Mira's, Mina's face with the botched Phoenix Splash. Um, there was another botched Phoenix Splash that I can't remember. But... Uh, then she closes it out here with the, just a super clean Phoenix Splash. No problem. Looks great. So I don't, I don't know. Anyways, Jay, continue. No, I was going to say like, um, I will say compared to Mo, um, there was a lot of Momo fans in the in the building, and they made it known. I'm not saying that Sai is not over. 
but there was a lot of Momo fans there wanting her to stop the record and stop the streak. And um, I just find it funny because the the narrative that was going around saying that uh, Momo's getting deep pushed ever since the Bushi Road purchase because she's not. She's not tall, or she's not in shape, or, or she doesn't look aesthetically pleasing, or whatever. All she's done is turn heel, have some of the best best work, in-ring work in her career, um, changes her whole look, even gains weight, you know, you know, against against yeah. the narrative, and then she's still over as fuck. You know, it's um I, I mean, just seeing how Momo was super over um in that crowd um, up until when she started cheating, that's when the booze started coming out. Um, but that sure, was just sure. like, just like, it was obligatory. But other than that, she was super over in this match. Yeah. And I wouldn't argue that, that, uh, you know, Momo is not being presented or whatever, as strong as she could be. But I mean, it does feel like they really did not care here. They were not trying to, downplay Momo here you know in this setting they were definitely presenting her very strong so it's just like I don't know it's pretty easy to look at these things and to hate on Rossi and I get it because not the great history there but at the same time like wrestling in general does not give does not have a great history of like being respectful to athletes male or female um of just how talented they are versus how they look. Either way, main event. Jay, I've heard this is the only criticism that I could articulate here on this match is that this felt more like a Julia match than a Suzu match. Um, I th- That doesn't make sense to me, but Jay, just tell me what you thought about this match. I would have to agree on that. Because um, with Julia, it it didn't. I think with Julia, it goes two ways with her. It's either she will go big bomb throwing, bomb bomb throwing. Um, doesn't let you give you time to breathe type of match, where it's just bomb after bomb after bomb, like the match with Shuri, or she likes to get technical. And likes to work a body part, and and you will do at least one spot near the entrance ramp with with, with Julia, um, sort of like the opening match in the five star Grand Prix against Suzuki, um, or the match against Mayu last year, or even the match um, in twenty twenty in Osaka against Shuri, which I thought was one of the worst big matches of all t- <laughs> in Stardom's history. Um, I know some people love that match. I remember Dave giving it, what, four and a half stars. I thought it was complete garbage. But um, this match was, it felt more like a, a, Julia, a Julia match, where it, but it was a deviation to Julia that wants to work um, intricate holes and intricate um, reversals and, and it felt like she wanted to prove that she was a top wrestler instead of bringing to what she what people love about her is just throwing bombs and being this hyper intense matches that she's she's better better known for 
Um, and, you know, with Suzu, I mean, she can work that style too, but Suzu, I think people love Suzu because she brings the intensity no matter who it is. And, you know, just, just thinking about the Tanova and Abba match, um, the Just Sap Out from the Just Sap Out show a couple months ago. Um, you know, Suzu has her type of match too. And it's, they've, it was a blend of, it was a blend of both of them. You know, the, you know, the, just thinking of the top rope, um, German suit thing, like Julia landed yeah. basically under her neck. Um, you know, that's a Suzu style match. Like it's going to be the bomb throwing, but at the same time, it's, it's well paced out. Um, and I'll be honest, this was kind of a disappointment because you had the, the earlier stuff with Julia, um, you know, work, working, you know, work, both of them working holds. Whereas I kind I almost wanted them just to go bombs away seeing the last match, which was the five star Grand Prix match where they just went balls to the wall. Um, it was super highly emotional where this one, it felt like the beginning of a rivalry instead of the last match was like, like the, like the th- the midst yeah. of a rivalry, yeah, yeah, the culmination, um, yeah, yeah. So, but I would I will say, if this was any two other wrestlers that didn't have the match they had before, I think a lot of people would be praising this more because yes. Julia does a hell of a job working the shoulder of Suzu uh, throughout this match, and then Suzu returns and works on her shoulder. I thought it was really good, intricate. Um, you know, storytelling just working, working those shoulder injuries, and you know, um, I, it's 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 tough. It's tough to rate that because, um, like I said, anybody else, it would it would be highly praised. But I think the bar is just, I won't say the bar is too high, but it's just it's, um, it's it's a it's, I think we we expected more just because of, um. What's what's the word that it's funny listening to that um, Arthur Reisman interview? He talked mentioned something about neo kayfabe, you know, this new blending of, you know, yeah. and it's been around, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's been around, you know, with punk, you know, it's mixing been around in since like uh like since McFoley and ECW days, yeah, yeah, just mixing mixing real life stuff with stuff that goes on in the ring, and and Julia and Suzu do that. You know, just yeah. making this super emotional. They were former roommates. She left in the middle of the night to go to stardom, leaving Ice Ribbon, leaving her behind. Then Ice Ribbon falls apart. They, you know, Suzu leads a pack, that leaves Ice Ribbon, and, and just, you know, just you, but you buy into everything because it was real. And right. and for this match, he kind of wished that it was it was super. The, the intensity level would be in in that realm, but it wasn't it wasn't to be. But um, it's still a good match. I still recommend it to anybody to watch this yeah. match. I still see it. I see the drama. I see the violence. There, it, it's there. Like it, I think it's really there, and I think that it's disingenuous to like blame this on like Julia doing whatever because I think that. As you talked about, like, a Julia match is not this. Like, uh, 
Uh, Julia Match, when people try to be like, oh, you know, Suzu made her, made Julia work her kind of match, like, she did not. She really did not. This is not a Julia match. Like, there's violence, there's aggression, they brawl around the ring. There, it's. I think that the toughest part about a Julia match is the fact that Julia can do everything. Yep. Julia is yep. phenomenal, and I think that she's one of the best wrestling aces that you can ask for. Um, and it's not just the fact that she looks like she does, but it's how committed she is to wrestling. But they brawl around the ring. She's doing technical stuff. Like you said, like the idea that you want, like Julia likes to do like a bomb fests or, or doing like, like, I don't know, like very light, um, no DQ, like hit a big spot outside of the ring like that's not what this is this is a lot of going all over the place it's a lot of getting very aggressive playing on the apron like you know like the, the pile driver on the apron uh, it's more of a gonzo bomb on the apron like that's a nuts mm-hmm. spot you know like that's not something that's just like a, a a bog standard julia match right like this is a Suzu match. This is getting aggressive. This is getting violent. Like, there's a ton here. I just, I think that writing this off as a Julia forcing Suzu into her match thing is just like being very myopic and truly just exposing yourself as like someone who does not actually watch what you're looking like truly does not pay attention to what you're seeing there's a ton of like insane brutal spots here there's a lot of drama here like i just i don't see it this is not a bog standard julia match there's a ton in this match i thought that the drama that they built off insane spots super aggressive was done really well like Will I call this a match of the year? I guess not. Probably not. This won't end up in the conversation, but like it's really good. It's just another feather in the cap for Suzu Suzuki, who feels like a you know a wrestler of the decade case is, continues to build as we continue to stack years on years for her. But I won't argue that Julia is not doing the same thing. Like Wrestler of 2020, like, Julia might end up in that conversation. Wrestler of the 2010s, Julia should probably be in your conversation, like, like based on what she's done. But we continue to build on this, and it's just like, yeah, like, phenomenal stuff. Uh, I thought match was great. Lots of drama. I just, I don't know. I just, again, super myopic, super just, like, trying to build, like, narratives off of, whatever you're trying to like say things are going around here, but this is not a Julia forcing Suzu to work her style match. Definitely not. She takes a fucking German off the top rope. There's like so much stuff in here. That's not a bog standard Julia match, right? Like am I again, either way, Jay, uh, is there anything you want to plug (laughs) anything before we go here? (laughs) No, it was, uh, it's funny that you just mentioned, like, maybe, you know, Suzu could be, like, a, a candidate for the 2020s. I mean, she's, yeah, she's been wrestling at a high level since she was 17 years old. Like, that's, that's wild. Yeah. Wild. And she's going to be 21 this year. Like, 
Um, yeah, she builds up another five years. Yeah, like it's gonna be it's gonna be scary. I'm just she's uh, one third of the trios champions of the artists of uh, Stardom champions in Stardom, so we'll definitely get to see her more down the road in Stardom. Um, time will tell if she'll get signed to a contract or she'll stay with prominence or you know you know i, th- I, I think enough, you know cyber agent i think inevitably she'll come over and do deathmatch dates in the u.s for gcw and stuff like that or or maybe AEW. i don't know um doing stuff in AEW. um i don't know for sure but you know she's she's someone to look out for i've always been high on her i'd say to me, if I was Rossi Ogawa, I'd, I've made this joke before, but I I literally would buy a farm for her family just yeah. just to see she signed a contract to Bushi Road and, and be there and um, do whatever it takes to get her in the building. Um, you yeah. know, but it's it's working out, you know, and hopefully we'll get more matches with, you know, it feels like the beginning just to get the match, this match out of the way um, and see how she comes back and Maybe we'll have a match with Julia, you know, eight months from now. Um, you know, because they, they do like, you know, Rossi does like the book rematches in, inside of long title reigns. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically it for me. Um, if yeah. I had to plug, if I had to plug anything, um, plug uh, the WHO. <laughs> I know it's Hall of Fame season's over, but uh, the Wrestling Observer oh. Hall of Fame tracker. Um, still part of that, and um, Twitter is not dead, so I'll just plug that Twitter account and go follow that account. Um, huh. um yeah, it's always Hall of Fame season, right? Yeah, yeah, so, um, so yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Jay. Um, I guess I should thank people for listening to the podcast if you want to uh fund. Our trip to uh, prove that um, I I can't even do this thing. I'm I'm really bad at this. Either way, Kofi. You find the Kofi. Oh, I was about to yeah. help you out with the plug. <laughs> please, 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 please. Go ahead, help. <laughs> uh, if you want to, let me pull up your Kofi. Uh, if you want to help, uh, Quentin and Tim with uh. You know, go to Kofi. It's K O hyphen F I slash W W D K W P N. Um, buy us coffee, three dollars each. Um, not me, but them. (laughs) Please, not me, but you. I don't take big poops, not me. I'm the guy who does (laughs) small poops. Either way, you have to give us money. Uh, at kofi.wdkpn um, if you like podcasting of course you love what we're doing Jay obviously best best of us ever done it you know him you follow him either way um, we'll be back next week maybe I'll be back on uh, the uh, you know Tur- talking tourneys. I'm going to show up next week. We're going to talk about a uh, tournament that I was at live. It's pretty fun. You guys should check it out. 
the um, GDC four twenty thirteen twenty fourteen. Either way, um, we'll see you later. And like I said, give us money to fund something or whatever. Quentin is better at this than me. Comes up with <laughs> ideas. We're gonna go uh, fight the something or other. Something. Either way, have a good night. Talk to you later. Quinn get healthy. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I